Hi, this is Michael Martin, President and CEO of the National Wood Flooring Association. You're on the Real Answers Podcast, and today with me, I have Chris Dizza. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the COVID world, post-COVID world, under-COVID world, wherever we're at in this in this thing, and then uh, kind of get back to basics today. So how are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing okay. No question about it. You know, it's funny, back to basics. I kind of feel like I'm back to basics. The way we're running the company is not old school, but I think coming out, coming out of COVID, I'm paying a lot more attention uh, to the details, kind of like when when I was running the whole show. And now, of course, I have a staff around me helping me. And but I'm I see myself doing stuff that I used to do all the time. So um, meeting with certain clients and going into jobs and and seeing if if we're on track and you know double checking details that I normally wouldn't do. It would just happen. And if a job was short on material, then, you know, they would call the office, the office would order it and you'd put it back on track when we got it back on track, opposed to daily response to anything that's happening and me participating in, okay, what do we need to do? How can I help? Fine. I'll go pick that up myself and bring it over because we're trying to streamline performance. Right. Because I think we're in a race to outperform our competitors. And so let me ask you this, if, if business is good and you know, how do you, how do you know when it's time to add more people and how do you, how do you do that? Interesting. Cause that was yesterday's dialogue between my staff and I, um, you know, you owners out there, we've all dealt with this. Somebody leaves, goes to work for somebody else for greener pastures. And then they come back, uh, occasionally. And when they come back, they're always saying, you know, I never should have left. So I had one of those happen the other day. And I'm happy that they come back because they're usually better workers. And so one of those individuals says there's another individual out there who's already trained and he wants to come work for us. And we don't really have an open slot right now, um, but I'm happy to bring him in. I said, yeah, definitely. We're happy to give him a job. And because I know how busy we are and my office goes, no, we don't, bring, we don't want to bring anyone else in. And we got in a, I don't want to say we got in an argument, but we went back and forth over the pros and cons of this. And here's my theory right now. I can't be the only one going through this. Guys, they're all screaming, get here now. We have to get this job done. We're backed up well into August, which is really unusual for me to tell anybody that we're four weeks or six weeks out because we got 30 something guys. So, you know, we can almost always get there in a couple of weeks. And right now we can't. So that tells me keep hiring. And that means, do we worry about it in December? You know, when, when maybe what if there is a second wave of COVID and another shutdown and, but guys, I maintain, and Michael, tell me if I'm wrong or not wrong, but tell me if I'm crazy. I maintain that we can't run this ultra conservative business and be afraid to take steps forward because of what might happen. I think you have to deal with what might happen when it happens. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to, you know, you've got to prepare for the worst, but plan for the best. And, you know, you can't, you can't grow if you don't have the resources to do it. I think everybody's in that situation, especially after making, you know, some fairly significant cuts because everything just came to such a grinding stop. 
um, for some people. So it's hard to know, but is that going to happen again? Who knows? Um, you know, if it happens keep going up, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're going to shut. Right. But if it happens again, I mean, I think we live in a new world where people go, okay, well, this is the reality. So if I have to tell somebody, look, I know we only brought you in in July, but it's now December and chances are we, we're not going to have enough work for you. Um, that's just the reality. We're not going right. to not have enough work because I'm not out there trying to find it because I'll always be out there trying to find it. So that's one of the things that we're trying to deal with coming out of this downturned economy, this changing COVID style life lifestyle, if you will. Um, we're putting together a conservative marketing plan. And I think we should all be out there looking for business every day. And the difficult thing is, so then someone says, yeah, and you say you can't do it for a month and you look, you know, egg on your face. So these are the things we're trying to plan for. Um, when I'm doing it, I've got a plan. I'm putting together a labor plan for how we could grow into it, how we could maybe add one more crew that I know is going to carry us all the way through summer. There's just no question about it. The work's in front of us. It's difficult, but that's what we're arguing with. So well, it's not, um, you could have a lot worse problems. It's a pretty good problem to have right now, don't you think? No, I, th- I agree. I think yeah. it's a great problem. And, and I know that everyone's busy because, you know, we subcontract some of our installation labor. And some of those guys are saying to me, well, I don't want to work in that building. That building's too hard to get into. Well, you don't say that when you don't have any work. When you don't have any work, you say, I'll go in through the rooftop if I have to. So, you know, we had to pay extra to get a crew to do this project for us. It was very disappointing, but we're paying it because we got to do the job. So there's a lot of work out there, guys. There really is. And now you have to think about how can you best do it. I'd like to share uh, a story we have on a, on a project because another thing you could think about is when you're onboarding a new client or a large job, you don't just have to give them the price and say, that's it, take it or leave it. Uh, I had a 4,900 foot job the other day that I measured. It's all sand and finish three levels. It's a fantastic property. And it's probably the anticipated color is probably going to be aniline dye and stain, and um, it's over a maple. And the client definitely got sticker shock. And I'm always amused with the sticker shock when it's 4,900 feet of hardwood, dude. It's going to cost a lot to do that. You didn't you didn't buy a thousand foot house. So once we got past that, we we. Instead of him saying, it's too much money, thank you for your time, Um, we're probably going to look elsewhere for a less expensive company. We got into the details of the job, and I explained the difference between using aniline dye over maple and using water popping uh, as an alternative, which obviously isn't as much labor-intense or cost as an aniline dye. And now we're in the third quote. And it looks like we're going to pick the job up. It's going to be a water pop with a single stain application. And they're going to use oil base instead of a high-end water base because that was another cost savings. Uh, traffic is 75 cents a foot. And it's 4,900 feet. So switch to oil base, no big deal. All these facets came in. And now the client is comfortable. 
And he liked that I spent the time with him on that. Now the job went from 44,000 to 31 and change, but it's still a $30,000 job. So I think you need to spend that time with those clients and go through those steps, step by step by step and show them um, here, you know, create the confidence that you're there for them. I just had it happen. And, and this, and here's the beauty of this project for us. They're not looking to get it done until early September. They close in August. So it's nice to know you have that large job in the pipeline coming towards the, uh, you know, next third quarter. So, I mean, these are the things we're working on, Mike. And I guess guys, every day you've got to pay attention to, to your details and run your show. This is not a time to be complacent. Getting back to the basics of running a business, you know, it's funny. What do they say in baseball? Fundamentals. That's 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 what it takes to win the game. All sports, really. It goes back to fundamentals. It goes back to drills. And so right now, on the back end of COVID, CNR flooring is back to basics and the fundamentals of running a business. Perfect. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Back to basics for me means I don't get discouraged because the job's real small. I actually do the small jobs because sometimes the small jobs lead to big jobs. Case in point, we don't do trade shows anymore or home shows rather. We used to, and they were part of our, you know, how we built the business, how I built the name out there because a lot of people go through a home show. So I don't really focus too much on building the CNR name as much today because there is a certain luxury to being in business 33 years. There's a lot of repeat business. But back in the day, I remember at a home show, a nice woman came up to me and said, I have this really small job. Would it be okay? You know, can you come by and look at it? And so I went and I measured it. It was a closet, literally a closet. <laughs> it was 20 square feet install. I did, I talked her into pre-finished wood. Um, what she said was, she lived in a really nice apartment building in downtown Boston, uh, two Com Ave, by the way, which is one of the wealthiest blocks uh, right on the Boston Common. And But she could see into the lower level in this closet because of a pipe, because the building's 100 years old, even if it is worth you know millions of dollars. Well, I put the 20 square feet in, did the job myself. This is going back in the day, and thanked her. You know, it was a few hundred dollars. What she did next was send an uh, email to everybody in the building at what a professional I was and how grateful she was. And we did like seven apartments in that building. Oh. So think a little bit about that. You can't just think to yourself, I'm not getting involved because one job leads to another job. At the end of a year, I'd like for you to understand that all the jobs made it to whatever your sales goal was, okay? One job doesn't get you to your goal. All the jobs get you, get you to your goal. So that's one of the things about going back to basics is all sales are important. Another part of basics is quality, quality, quality. Um, when we were on the road, uh, CNR Flooring, when we were doing all the commercial jobs, we had an office in Pompano Beach, we had an office in Cincinnati, we had an office in Boston. And 
the interesting thing was we, we might go into North Carolina and do a Brooks Brothers store. And I used to try to teach the guys that, hey, make sure you putty all the nail holes on the closeout because it costs $1,000 to putty a nail hole. And why? Well, that's because Brooks Brothers wouldn't have thought twice about telling me to get back on a plane and get back here and fill that one nail hole. And it would have cost me a thousand bucks. So it cost a thousand dollars to fill a nail hole became like a staple within our company where we made sure you attended to all the details. And how many of you aren't puttying Scotia's? Because why? Because people aren't looking up under the lip and they don't see it. Well, on the staircase that you can walk up to the side, you can see it. And are you lazy? Maybe. Could you get away with it? Possibly. Should you? No, man. Fill the Scotia's. Back to basics. It's all about quality. These are things that are important. And that steps into when you get bigger. I got more crews. I got more trucks. Well, what about quality control? It goes back to what we said earlier in the podcast about the list. You know, callbacks go on the list. Let's work towards not having callbacks. And let's, you know, this goes back to something else I said about having a manual. Have a list of, you know, going to segue here. My kids are grown up now, but when they were really young, my wife and some of you having children now, um, what is the book? Uh, what to expect when expect when it, what to expect when expecting There's a tongue twister and I'm not even <laughs> drinking. So we actually wrote a document about what to expect when you're getting your hardwood floors done. And it covers such simple things like, can I walk on it? When can I walk on it? How long till I can put my rug down? All these things are stuff that you should tell them. And you probably do tell them when you sell the floor. But guess what? They're not paying attention. They're measuring you. When you're measuring the house, they're measuring you, by the way. And you want to measure up because working in somebody's home is an intimate thing. So you're telling them all the things they need to know. But why don't you follow up with a written document? We have seen our flooring. We have a written furniture policy. Pretty basic just says what our position is about furniture. And one of those things, we do not take apart a bed. We don't take apart furniture that needs to be put together because some of those cheapo furnitures, not to be degrading to anything or anybody, but they don't go together the right way when you take them apart and put them together and take them apart and put it together. So you have rules that keep you out of trouble. These are important things. They might be simple, but Hey, even after 33 years in business, we forget about some of this stuff. So we wrote it down and we give it to the customer. Very good. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about how every job is important and that it adds to your total sales. Um, but what about qualifying leads? So if every job matters, how do you qualify a good lead? Good question. So you can feel your way through that. Um, you know, it's funny. Years ago, we did a marketing campaign with the Boston Celtics. And it was fun, I'm not going to lie. It was called Tour the Floor with Dustless Floor Sanding C&R Flooring. And on WEI Radio, we did the uh, the starting team was announced, and they named everybody, you know, Kevin McHale, Larry Bird, so forth, so on, and uh, Tour the Floor with C&R Flooring. Well, I can tell you this, everybody can afford a radio, but not everybody can afford C&R Flooring's Dustless Floor Sanding. And I learned that really fast. It's a hell of a lesson because we did the marketing campaign. It was $60,000 to sponsor the opening tip-off for the season. And we learned 
halfway through the season that this was not turning into leads. It was turning into the opportunity to measure homes, but I was walking up to the front door and, you know, the lawn's not cut, the fence is broken, and I'm like, this guy is not going to buy my hardwood floor. He's just not, and he never did. And then we finished the season, a little bit of an egg on my face was, read all the contract, read all the words, guys, because the Celtics made the playoffs that year, and... The contract said, if the Celtics make the playoffs, you have to buy the advertising package for the playoffs, which was another $30,000. And we already knew the campaign wasn't working. So um, qualify the leads. We got real good at it. Uh, we started to ask questions, you know, like, um, do you cut your lawn? No. <laughs> no. We just started to ask questions like this. You know, how many rooms are you thinking about doing? Um, you know, do you have an oak floor? How wide is the floor? Talk to them about a little bit about it. We like to ask people, you know, how did you hear about us? If they said we heard about you on the radio, well, we know we have no qualification at all right now because it's a total cold lead. Okay. We know they, they think they might want their floors done, but the only thing that spawned it was they heard our customer name on the radio. So I can tell you this marketing to the masses doesn't really work. If we say, how'd you hear about us? And they say, oh, you did my neighbor's house. That's a hot lead, guys, because they've already seen your work. And they don't want to tell their neighbor that they couldn't afford you. Keeping up with the Joneses is one of my favorite things. Not for me to do, for my client to do. Why don't we talk about costs a little bit? How do you check your costs? Do you do that on a regular basis? Do you look at the same things? Do you measure things weekly, monthly, quarterly? How do you do that? We probably at CNR Flooring, we check our costs probably annually, to be frank. Um, I like to think that over the years, we've gotten really good at understanding our costs. So some of you have been in my class. Um, we do what's called the garbage bag test. And it's kind of fun. The guys like it, actually. Um, next time you're doing a thousand foot job, sand and finish, get a garbage bag. And I want you to put everything that you touch while you do the thousand feet. Okay. So every edge of disc goes into the bag. Every, if you scrape a corner, when you're done scraping all the corners, just take the blade off the scraper and throw it in the bag. You can put it back on later, but I don't want you to forget to account for a percentage of the scraper blade in your costs. Cause what we're doing here in the exercise, the garbage bag test is we're learning exactly how much it costs to sand a thousand feet of flooring. All right, so you're going to have, I don't know, two or three 40 belts, and you might have four 80 belts, and you're going to have a maroon pad, and you're going to have 20 edger discs, and you're going to have some brushes, and you're going to have a pot liner uh, for the bucket, and you're going to have rags and a trash bag, how many trash bags. Um, and when you get back to the office, after you've done first coat, second coat, third coat, the job's done, let's take the bag and let's dump it on the floor of your garage, your warehouse, wherever your office, whatever you're doing, and now get out a notepad and write down, itemize everything you just used. Then go to your, your invoice from your distributor and put the cost next to it. If you buy a box of edge of discs and there's a hundred edge of discs, well, you divide the hundred into the cost of the box and that's how much each edge of disc costs. And let's take all those costs, add them up, divide it into a thousand feet, and now you know how much it costs to do 1,000 feet of flooring. Or actually, you know how much it costs per foot to do hardwood floors. 
let's take that number and let's put, let's be kind to ourselves and let's put a 35% margin on it. So let's say my cost was 25 cents. I'm going to take 0.25. I'm going to divide that by 0.65 and I'm going to come to 38 cents. And that's how much I'm adding on to my cost when I go to sell the job because you have to put margin on everything. So Chris, I mean, in your business, you've been really successful at building into higher end jobs and a lot of those get fairly complex and I, I'm sure a lot of time gets gets spent around how much you're going to make off of doing this really high end floor. But at the same time, the costs also go up with that. So do you feel like, you know, if you get the basics right, you can eventually get the right equation, no matter what the size of the job is? Yeah, uh, to some degree, I think there's, that that's an accurate statement, Mike. I can't say enough. You have to understand your costs. And the other thing out there, uh, you want to talk about the most basic thing? I think it was this podcast. might have been the one before, but I mentioned Sal Balsamo, one of my mentors. And he said to me one time, it, just focus on the sales. Keep selling. Never stop selling. Because if you know you're selling at the right level and you understand your costs, you can't help but be successful. And there's some logic to that. So um, when you do, you asked me about the big jobs. And the funny thing about that is I've, I've coached a few of you out there. And I remember this one individual called me up. Uh, he was in a nice metropolitan market and he wanted to sell this job. And he's like, I'm thinking about going in around 85,000. And I told him all day long, that job is 135 grand. And he goes, I'll never get the job. And I said, dude, 135. And here's why. I go, the other guys who quoted the job, one of them, one of them's at 65. Because if you're at 85 and you've never sold into this level before, and you have guys that you know you're better than, we know they're less than you. But you have to sell it this way. You need to be at 135. And when the builder says to you, what are you, crazy? Your answer is, no, I'm probably the only one who quoted the job who understands it because there's a cost to doing the job this way. This is a rift and quarter saw and herringbone, which is going to need to be hard plated. And I bet those two guys don't even have a machine that does hard plating. Some of you, I mean, you all know what I'm talking about, but this goes into, you know, having the right equipment to do the right task and how to sell into it. Uh, you can't be afraid to sell the big jobs. And you can't be afraid to ask for the right amount of money. I had a friend once tell me about playing golf. I was trying to break 80 and I'm on the 17th tee. I got two holes to go. I have a 67. I got two par fours in front of me. This should be a layup to break 80, right? I got an 81. You know why? Because I wasn't used to playing good golf. And somebody said to me, hey, Chris, you can't get used to playing good golf until you're used to playing good golf. And guess what, guys? We can't be used to selling really big jobs until you're used to selling big jobs. And what that means is when you're in the room and you know that you're going to put extra effort in and you know there's going to be hidden costs, you're going to have seven rounds of samples where you're making panels. All of that ties in. And the guy at 65000 or 85000 he didn't account for it. And at one thirty-five. You don't care if you spent two grand on samples and you're worth it and you need to sell that way. You have to understand the job you're quoting and charge the right money. 
and deliver. Don't forget that part. Great stuff, Chris. Thanks for sharing your ideas there. We'll uh, catch up on another series later. 